Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. This is the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. This is where we get to talk to anybody we want. We meet amazing people and get to have any conversation we want to. And this is no exception. This is going to be so much fun. I want to introduce to you Catherine O'Sullivan. She's somebody that I met through my connection with Emerging Women. So as always, that's super uh, special to me. And those are people who just think like I do. They're they're my people. So we're going to get into that a little bit. But before we get too deep, welcome, Catherine O'Sullivan. Hi, I'm so looking forward to this. I know. We had a moment at Emerging Women, I think, Our eyes caught each other's and we were in a deep, deep moment about where women um, are in the world. We we were listening to a global speaker about girls and women and being beat in their homes and also their opportunities at school. And we were listening to a powerful story of this woman making an amazing difference in India. And you and I locked eyes and it was just this totally deep moment. (laughs) It was it was totally incredible. Yeah. So why why did you end up coming to I know you've spoken at Emerging Women, so I, I know that would be a big you know reason why you are involved maybe at the beginning. But then I've seen you there again. And then, you know, we, we had this moment where we just kind of looked at each other like this was just the most important conversation we could possibly be having. So what's your experience with Emerging Women? Yeah, I've been involved with Emerging Women from the beginning and I've been to every conference um, except one. Um, mm-hmm. And what keeps bringing me back is just, I mean, it's so many things. It's the, you know, meeting with amazing women and having really intimate, interesting and inspiring conversations, seeing so many speakers who do great work in the world for women, for girls, um, anything from you know, the inner work that we're doing to the really big social change work that's mm-hmm. so important. Right. And especially this year, right, with all the stuff <laughs> that's been going on right. in, you know, in my industry, the tech industry, but then also everything else in the media. And then, of course, you know, if you look at women, you know, in other countries that are not as fortunate as we are here in the free world, um, it's ju- it just seems to me there's still so much work to do. And this is just such a supportive community. Right. Well, I remember you on a panel and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was called Game Changers and it was about women in tech. Yeah. And you spoke on that panel and you were, you know, you know, your your amazing experience from working at Google and working in the tech industry in Silicon Valley. But then there were other there were three other women around you, very strong other women. And that was such an amazing panel. So tell me about some of the experiences there, like the the camaraderie of speaking you know, how how is that different speaking on a stage as a panel of experts as opposed to you doing your work, which is very one on one? How is that different? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was it was an interesting experience because I was it was a last minute. Um, my, my boss was supposed to do this, um, this panel. <laughs> she had to pull out on really short notice. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit of a baptism of fire for me. Mm. <laughs> But it was such an amazing panel because I felt like we could get really honest. Right. And we, we were all, you know, we were like competitors in business. Mm-hmm. But really, we are collaborators when it comes to helping women thrive in business, right? So mm-hmm. that was really precious to yeah. see we can, you know, we can, and, and we must. 
worked, right? We must work together. And <laughs> right. I mean, this is four years ago, so or maybe even five years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's it's also a little sad to see how little has happened. Mm, right. You know, we're having the big conversations and the shifts are kind of not exactly, inc- you know, the shifts <laughs> are just not as big as, I, as, I, as we would all like to see. Right. Having said that, though, I wonder if with this big stuff that's now bubbling up, Mm-hmm. maybe this even though it's painful and awful and some days it makes me really hopeless I wonder if it's if this is also the kind of the big kind of turning point well you're used to that kind of work I mean you've worked at Google since what is it 2009 you did you start there in, around there or was it earlier uh, than that five actually 2005 yeah. yeah 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 I mean yeah I've been I worked at Google 12 years and I left last so June of this year so mm-hmm. yeah well speaking was, of that you know you talked as a game changer it it was really awesome you know there's so many speakers at Emerging Women so the fact that I remember that panel is also in itself you know a, a testament to really I think you're right that honesty that was spoken there but you know you working at Google and doing you know organizational change and executive coaching that is a big ship to change so I, I find that interesting that we're all, already into this conversation about it feels like it takes so much to move this massive ship around, but that's really been your experience. You're working with individuals, maybe even teams, uh, you know, obviously smaller groups within a massive company. I mean, I think there are around 72, 75,000 employees. So your work is about moving a big ship. So what are your thoughts about that? I mean, you have to work with an individual to get them to change and maximize you know, their uh, abilities and capacities, but yet that big change, how long does it take? (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, how long does it take? I mean, first of all, we are all making up this big ship, right? Mm -hmm. It's all of us employees. It's the the customers, the users, the ecosystem partners. So, so, everything, every single employee owns a piece of the culture. So I always say every little helps. And sometimes I see when I work with people or I work with people one on one. I also work with leadership teams. And sometimes, you know, I work with someone and incredible shifts happen in the first session. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I work with people for six months and nothing much happens. And <laughs> but I still see it as well, maybe there's some seeds that will open up one day, right? Right. right. So, so how long is it going to take? I mean, the question is, what is it? <laughs> right, right. Well, it, it, yeah, and in Emerging Women, you know, we're definitely talking about the female consciousness brought into leadership. But at Google, you know, what was it for you? What were you trying to accomplish in terms of, you know, coaching people through change at Google? Yeah, I mean, from a company perspective, of course, it's like, how can we help people become more productive in their work and you do this by helping people or at least that's my personal philosophy enjoy their work more right Mm -hmm. the more they enjoy their work the more they will collaborate better and the better the results will be Mm -hmm. um so i do i do have some sort of a personal agenda though as well and this is really about tech you know the tech sector Mm -hmm. being so powerful 
creating so many amazing products and services and how, how can we make sure that we have leaders in the tech industry that are really seeing themselves as um, stewards of the planet, right? Mm -hmm. So that we can really create a world that works for everyone. You know, and I'm, I'm, of course, I mean men and women, but I also mean, you know, things like our planet. Right. Ad addressing income inequality, whatever else it is, right, that we're facing on a global scale that we really need to make progress on fast. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that in as a leader becomes more mature and, and as a leader notices how much they're connected, right, within the company, but also in the larger ecosystem, the more, you know, the chances are that they will lead, not as lone heroes, mm -hmm. but really as a, as a collective. Right. And that's kind of what gets me out of bed. Right. <laughs> I love that. And that makes sense why you'd be at Google. I, I, we, we have a mutual friend, too, Rachel Amara, who's another Googler. Hey, there's 75,000 employees. I know two of them. So, you know, yeah. and now, now you've left. So now I'm back down to one, Catherine. <laughs> I can introduce you to some more if you like. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, she wrote the book, Pause. Have you, she's come to Emerging Women. Have you gotten to connect with her personally? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, she's so awesome. So, um, yeah. yeah, so here I've got two friends that are Googlers, and both of them are super cool. So, that, But also, both of them are engaged with that idea of if you do, what, what you just said, if you do have a happier life, you will be more productive at work and more productive. What does that mean? More collaborative, more better results, you know, this kind of stuff. So that whole, in, in that whole microcosm, that's obviously where, Google is investing and, you know, they're allowing, um, you know, people like you that were coaching um, at different times. And also, you know, they have, she has a whole pause initiative and these kind of stuff. But you're right. That's a big ship. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about your day to day, what you did there, because even though you've left Google, obviously you're going to continue to do this kind of work, but shed some light on it for us about day in and day out. What were you doing to actually coach people? and work with them on their professional uh, trajectory? Yeah, so, I mean, I was working as, as part of a team, right? Mm -hmm. And we were, um, you could say, internal consultants. So there's a few things that we, that, that we did or that they are still doing. Um, executive coaching, which is one-on-one -on -one coaching uh, with Googlers. So, so um, working on an issue that um, the leader brings and then over a period of time um, supporting them making progress on that issue and then there's um, working with leadership teams so um, how can they work better together right and this could be anything from how to increase trust among the team to you know how to how to set a vision together um, how to bring on a new leader of that team how to work with conflict, how to provide more structure and clarity, how to navigate complexity. You know, there's many, many. <laughs> and in a tech company, you're always managing complexity. And I would imagine at Google, because there are so many, I and mean, they're able to hire the best and the brightest, the complexity also has to get pretty big in terms of, I wouldn't say internal competition, but I mean, you're working with some of the best and brightest. So is some of the conflict, you know, and complexity come up just because of the nature of what you're working on in tech? Yeah, I mean, I think 
what makes things complex is often people, right? <laughs> people, <laughs> but we, but we can't do it without people, so we're stuck. <laughs> exactly. So, right. Okay. So, um, so I really think you know. I mean, there's there's many there's a lot of different lenses to address complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every job these days is most jobs are complex now. You know, mm-hmm. I think in this world that's so fast paced, life just seems complex, not just at Google, but definitely at Google, you know, where there is so many new products breaking ground, being really innovative, um, you know, operating on a global scale, working Mm -hmm. with many partners. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, there is a a really high degree of complexity. And I think there's a, some sort of thought pattern that the, I need to work harder, I need to work faster, and then I'm going to be able to make sense of complexity and get order in complexity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a trap. <laughs> that's and I think that's what I've seen, you know, not just at Google, but in, in, with my other clients that I'm working with now. Um, you know, the assumption that the harder we work, the smarter we work, the faster we work, that will allow us, you know, to 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 kind of structure what seems complex mm-hmm. and be able to control it. Um, <laughs> and that does not work very well. Well, and that doesn't work with creativity because tech could appear to a lot of people to be very logical, very streamlined. But uh, the reason why companies like Google and, you know, innovate, innovate or are able to get out there in front in of the lead is because of creativity and creativity does not happen in a harder, faster environment. That is very true. Like the space to allow for creative thoughts to emerge is um, you really need to carve out that space. I just that, said this. That's not easy. It's, it's not, not easy. It's not easy. And you know, it's so funny. I literally just I just came back the other day from Chicago. I was talking with a company and they asked me something about, you know, some of the deliverables and what I get paid to do in consulting. And I said at one point, I'm like, well, sometimes I just am paid to think at my desk. Like there's nothing going on. And it yeah. was like got really quiet in the room room and I go, literally, that's sometimes what I do. And that's just, I don't know, I, I can't quantify it for you. I can't put it on a deliverable on our contract. I'm just saying sometimes everybody needs to shut up and I need just some space. And I will think of a good solution. I'll think of something creative, make a connection we hadn't seen before or something. But I'm like, but I can't account for that. I just, it, it's just, it looks like this. And then I just sat there really quiet. And then they laughed. And I think that it kind of broke the ice of going, you know what, we can't quantify everything, people. (laughs) We have to, we have to have some room to get, you know, to get creative or see things differently. Wow. It's true. And it's really interesting, right? Where does the room, where does the space come from? Hmm. Um, And and how, what is it that enables that space? Of course, you can say, well, I'll carve out time in my calendar. I had a boss and she said to me, she's doing a quarterly, what she called offsite with herself, uh-huh. meaning she, she just went, went away for a day and just used that day to plan her quarter. And I think that's really good practice. And I think there's also, a, you know, I'm wondering about how can we create space in our day to day and not necessarily calendar space, but something that's, that feels more spacious in us. 
Right. Well, we're just so quick to pick up our phone and put it in front of our face. There's yeah. no, there's no buffer there. And, you know, I'm coming out of, I, my, my youngest is, is eight years old and there's nothing better that gets you like just in the moment than younger kids. And as my last one is turning eight and the other ones are older, I realize that I don't have that, like that siren call to just goofing around as much in my life. And I'm, I'm kind of feeling the the bummer of it going and I'm thinking to myself but how do I create that 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 you know that pleasure in just in sitting or in letting your mind wander to a different place whether that's creative about work or creative about your family or creative about you know just your life okay how am I going to carve my life out in a certain way the kind of life I want to have the kind of mental the thought patterns I want to have whatever it is it's like space you need space 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 and with small little kids it's, you know, it, it's a lot easier because it, they kind of force you into it. In some ways, you see the joy of it. But we lack that joy of just the space and the curiosity in our day in and day out work. I see it. Yeah, I, I totally see that, too. And we definitely miss play, right? Mm-hmm. We don't play enough. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, Google Google is pretty good at that, I have to say. You know? <laughs> like, there Ride, is... Riding bikes around campus, yeah, playing ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what's beautiful about the culture there. You know, mm-hmm. there's always something that stimulates the creative side, um, right. you know, and, and um, I think a lot of other companies could learn a lot there. Well, the other thing that Google did, and you're a part of this, uh, is to add so many coaches so many external coaches or team coaches or you know what would you have to say about that having been in that the rise of that from the inside now obviously you know we look back 15 years later and it's very common for everybody to have you know an executive coach or a team coach or this kind of stuff you know but 20 years ago that was not the norm so you've been on it from the inside this is something that Google absolutely embraced as a company policy you were a team of many many coaches um, I'm sure they had hundreds. So what would you say about that as a company and how they embrace the, the concept of having an executive coach? Well, first of all, just to, you know, t- um, a lot of the internal coaches actually are people who have a, a day job and they just dedicate, a, you know, a small percentage of their work time to, to being a coach, mm-hmm. just to, to be clear, like that's where the hundreds and hundreds come from. They're not full-time coaches, right? Okay. Um, but we do have some full-time coaches and we, we definitely also use uh, external executive coaches. Mm-hmm. So I think what's really amazing about having a coach for starters is that you actually carve out time to reflect, <laughs> right? Right. So what we just said that there's never enough time, you know, by default, when you have a coach, you're going to at least take one hour every two weeks or, you know, whatever your coaching rhythm is to really reflect, Right. reflect on what's important, important to you to reflect on what your goals are, to reflect on maybe blind spots and how to overcome them and to, yeah, to get real and have an accountability partner. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really, you know, where we're, it's so easy for us to just fall into our default patterns all the time, especially when we're under pressure, right? Right. And sometimes that's not helpful. And that's where coaches can really help. When you say coaches help, 
tell me a little bit about like what do you experiment with? What what do you find has been worth experimenting about with people? Wow, so that that's a big question. I mean, that really depends on the individual. Super critical is having a learning mindset. Mm. So really wanting to learn. And I think it's really easy to say, oh, yeah, I'm a learner. I always want to learn. But I think learning is actually really risky because if you want to learn something new, you need to go outside of your comfort zone. You need to stretch yourself, right? Right. And sometimes that means that you don't look so smooth or so slick. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that means you will fail, right? Sometimes that means you will do things that, you know, where people will ask, why the hell did she do that? <laughs> but that's the only way to stretch. It's the only way to learn. Mm -hmm. And that would be my, my, the first thing I would say, have a, have a learner mindset, be really curious, mm -hmm. be curious about your impact on others. Be curious about how others impact you. Um, especially when people have different points of view and when things get a little heated, right? It's easy mm -hmm. to point the finger, but maybe rather than judging, just do some inquiry into where are they coming from? You know, why do they see this differently? To me, that's like a huge, you know, I've seen it in so many clients. It's such a huge um, enabler to, to grow, right? perceive differently, to you know, to be easier to work with, too. Yeah, we're not working in a vacuum. I, we're, we're affecting other people. They're affecting us. It's just, and not everybody's walking into the office having had a fantastic weekend either. So <laughs> besides the complexity of the work that's in front of us, we're also people coming at that. So that's really interesting. So pause, pausing to reflect you know, being curious about how we, what our point of view is, what, how we're dealing with things, and then pausing to reflect on how other people see us. But you mentioned at the beginning saying a learning mindset is very risky. And to me, you know, I can see that as I'm an owner. And then, you know, you're dealing with people very high up that are executives, whether you were working in Google or now you work, you know, independently, you're working with people who have a lot at stake and talk about risk. I mean, you have to actually admit you don't know shit to be getting an executive coach and really learning. So have you come across um, a lot of resistance to coaching? What have you experienced about that? So I've only experienced resistance to coaching if people were told to get a coach. Ah, okay. <laughs> because then, of course, it's done onto them, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I would want somebody to tell me you have to get a coach, right? right. Um, however, most honestly, most of the clients that I work with, they wanted a coach or they want a coach. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, it's interesting, you were talking about risk, and are people averse to that? And it's interesting, because what feels risky to, to me, right, to my system, to my own identity, mm -hmm. and what is actually risky, may be two different things. So sometimes it's also really important to look into um, maybe what's the what's the riskiest thing I could do and then scale back from that and see, okay, let's not put our business at risk, right? Mm -hmm. Of course not. But what is one step I can take that's a little closer to the 
edge of my stretch zone than what I would normally do, right? Mm -hmm. so, what, so this is called experimentation, right? Where, where it's really about trying some things differently and see how they land. And then if, they, if the results are good, mm -hmm. or if I can get some, some signals in the system that this is getting me somewhere, I can amplify that, right? Mm -hmm. If I get some warning signs that this may not be such a great step forward, I can then work from there and dampen it down again. Mm -hmm. And this is really also how we teach leaders to act in complexity, right? Mm -hmm. In complexity, you don't have the perfect 10-step plan, right? Because in complexity, like cause and effect is just not predictable, so you work from one step to the next to the next, but you pay really close attention to what's going on as a result of each step that you took. Yeah. Or even what's going on anyway, like regardless whether you took a step or not. But this is what's so important in complexity to become really present and to observe what's going on around you. Yeah, you said that at the beginning, like the number one thing is really carving out that time to reflect. So that's not just something that's happening at the beginning. What I hear you saying is that that is happening all through the process, pausing and reflecting again to see yeah, and, where am I going. Yeah, and even pausing and observing or not pausing and observing at the same time, right? So mm. how, how can we be really, um, how can we hone our ability to really see what's here? Right. And this is both what's going on around us, but then probably even harder what's going on within us, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Because how we are, like our underlying assumptions and beliefs and the actions that we take as a result, they influence the system big time, <laughs> especially when we're leaders, right? Where everybody is watching uh, every move. Yeah, that we yeah. You know, I comment sometimes that I feel like I live in a fishbowl, but then I look up from my desk and realize I really do. My, my doors are glass. I really, it's not just a feeling that everybody's looking at me. Everybody is looking at me. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> and that, yeah, it is. You know, I, I will say I like I like what you what you're saying about curiosity because, in risk, uh, just developing a good, um, a real love for curiosity, just getting curious about things, to me helps mitigate that risky feeling because all of a sudden the curiosity can help make it fun. It can be more inquisitive and less less driving on myself. Like I have to know the answer. I can just say, Oh, really? How? Oh, what now? How does that work? Well, how now that now? Why did I feel like that? Well, how did that come up? And so I feel like it takes the pressure off of what you kind of mentioned, like the pitfall of harder, faster, and yeah. you know, and helps me stay curious. So, yeah, you are such a seasoned professional. So I'm going to ask you something that I hope will give our audience a real executive coach freebie here. So, if you, you know, if you could go back and um and start fresh with someone who had not been in executive coaching before, even if it's something that sounds to you when you first hear it in your mind, oh, this is so basic, nobody's going to want to hear this. Let me assure you, we do, because I've talked with you enough to know what gems, you know, come out of your experience. So maybe a couple of pointers of, you know, uh, if you have worked with an executive coach, maybe just a little bit, or maybe for my audience who has not worked with one before, like, what are the what are the signs that you're seeing in your life that would make you go, you know what, I think I need some help. I need, I need some outside, you know, consulting to really understand what's going on. What, what are going to be the benefits of doing that? You know, on an individual level, I would say feeling stuck, 
<laughs> so maybe having an issue that you keep trying to fix or solve and it keeps coming back um, or some piece of feedback that you keep hearing you know over years where people keep giving you the same feedback and you're trying to you know to do something about it but it doesn't seem to shift so you know there are some signals where coaching might be helpful um overwhelm i think you know like most of my clients even if that's not necessarily the presenting issue but most of my clients come because they're super overwhelmed right um that's just too much to do all the time and it's really hard to prioritize and um yeah, there's like, it's hard to know how much time to dedicate to work when it seems like there's like zero time for family, right? Because mm -hmm. work is over everything. Um, so how do they come to something like that? Let's just, like, that's a very difficult point when you're very overwhelmed to say, oh, let me tack yeah. something else on, an executive coach, <laughs> you know? So what what are some of those first steps and what are some of those first benefits? Do you mean first steps in terms of how to find a coach or how to work with a coach? No, how to work with a coach, how yeah. to prep yourself and yeah. say, yeah. okay, this is, this is going to be for me. What, what kind of setting some expectations? Yeah, I think what's the clearer you can get on your goals. Mm -hmm. Coaching is very goal oriented and very future focused. So it's really about what, you know, how do you want to be different as a result of the coaching engagement? And this could be either, you know, I want to, you know, I want, let's just say, you know, the typical work-life balance comes up all the time. I want right. to have better work-life balance, right? Mm -hmm. um, or um, I want to increase my leadership presence is something that I hear all the time, mm -hmm. which is a very, you know, broad term for a lot of things. So mm -hmm. that we would definitely do some digging there. What does this actually mean to you? Right. So a lot of, the merit of coaching is actually in clarifying your goals. Um, it really helps to have somebody who can help you clarify what your goals are. The other thing that coaches can do is they can interview people who work with you. Um, we call this a 360, right? Where coaches ask the same set of questions to a, to a group of people uh, that work with you, either you know, your, your peers, your superiors, or maybe the people you manage, and then get kind of an anonymous aggregation of that data so you can see what potential blind spots could be. So that this can be super helpful. Wow, that would be super helpful. <laughs> I, I hadn't even thought about that. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty interesting. So tell us about um, where you're going. What, I mean, I know things are you're in transition and I'm so excited to see where this ends up playing out. I know you're in demand, but I think there's some, you know, are you, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're staying in leadership coaching um, and staying in that executive space. Is that right? Yes, that's the plan. So I definitely want to stay in, in leadership development at the executive level. Mm -hmm. I want to do both. Um, and I am doing both one-on-one um, -on -one coaching but also working with leadership teams because I feel like there is a lot of richness in helping teams build trust or helping teams through conflict. And I think what's even more important is because teams change so quickly these days, right? Like yeah. there's working groups that are forming maybe just for one project. Then, you know, there's a whole different working group. So it's not just about 
how do we work well as this set team, but how can we increase our capabilities to work really well as part of a group really quickly. I find that super interesting. Well, interesting. And you mentioned that that's really where things are going. Things are so, they're moving so quickly and projects are changing at such a rapid rate, especially in the tech industry. Yes, exactly. And it's so interesting because I feel like 10 years ago, everybody was asking me, oh, can you help us uh, teach remote management or managing in the matrix, right? <laughs> Nobody really talks about that anymore. I mean, sometimes, but it's really about, it's the manager, it's not just the manager anymore. Mm-hmm. It's every individual owns their part, right? Mm-hmm. In making a, a work group work well. So we're looking more at networks and flatter hierarchies these mm-hmm. days. Wow. That's, that's going to be interesting. I can't, can't wait to see where you go with this. But Catherine has amazing articles she puts out on LinkedIn. You really should follow them if you're interested in this. Make sure you start following her to see where she lands. Um, but now i got to find more Google friends. So, I mean, you uh-huh. know, you're going to have to connect me. So, um, But uh, you want to find her on LinkedIn. I will tell you this is going to be the easier easiest way because she spells Catherine a little bit differently. So it's K-A-T-H-R-I-N. O'Sullivan. So I know with the Catherine O'Sullivan, there's probably a lot of them out there. And so it's hard to find her on LinkedIn, but you can find it easily if you spell that first name correctly. <laughs> uh, I've learned the hard way, Catherine. <laughs> um, that and also we'll definitely put the link in the show notes here. So you can find her just by clicking over into the show, show notes for the podcast. Um, Catherine, it's going to be so fun to see where our paths cross this next year. And uh, I know with things changing at Emerging Women, we're probably going to end up in some other events that are a little bit more intimate. And that's going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm, I, I'm with you in that it's about those, those very key moments where you get to be a lot more vulnerable, a lot more in-depth of what is this it that we are trying to do. And um, I'm really happy to be on this journey with you. And I just want to say thank you for sharing these really great, you know, professional insights with my audience. I know it's super appreciated. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure talking to you always. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. And for Little Bird Marketing Company, this has been Ponderings from the Perch with Priscilla McKinney and my special guest, Catherine Sullivan, saying, have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.